Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm great, man. Well, I'm glad you're here. I hear that we are going to record another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. You, you heard that. This will be episode 38, I believe. Is that, that's like from the rumor mill? Yeah. That's the well, word around no, the water cooler? I just heard it from you like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> I'm hearing, yeah. you know, from my sources yeah. that we're going to record another podcast. Is that true? Yeah. Yes, John, it is true. It is true. Hey, real quick, Ray, it is 71 degrees and partly cloudy outside. Great. Looks like a great day to go fishing. Yeah. I hear that the uh, bass are biting. I, I, yeah. For my sources. I would like from the same sources yeah. that told you we were going to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, from the voices in my head told me it'd be a good day to go yeah, fishing. Yeah, that's a little scary. Yeah? You, you're not taking uh, your medication. Oh, they're friendly. Yeah. And they tell me the fishery report, so. All right. Very helpful. I would love to hear from people listening to the podcast if they care about the daily fishing report. <laughs> well, I don't think it matters because when I feel like giving it, it's going to be there. Now, we can edit it out if it's an annoyance. Oh, so you're going to give it regardless. Yeah. yeah, even if we cut it out. Yeah, but it's coming. Yeah. All right. No, it's almost become a uh, responsibility now because yesterday we recorded and I tried to just introduce the podcast and record and you said, are you not going to give the fishing report? Right. Well, I said weather, but yeah, uh, the fishing kind of goes hand in hand right. with that so because we are on the banks of the beautiful Tennessee River. Hey, I know you have a topic planned for today, but I want to bring up something that I just noticed on LinkedIn, if Please. that's okay. No, hey, you just whatever you're feeling, John. So this cat named Jeremy Lewis... Uh, who I'm connected with, posted that he is shopping for a new truck and he's been using some online tools and apparently one of them is a trade evaluator. Mm-hmm. And so it, he shows this screenshot of his trade estimated trade value. And it has a list price range uh, 15 to, to 18000 then he has est- estimated discount from list, dealer reconditioning, depreciation, dealer advertising cost, average dealer overhead. I mean, there's a lot of things that are taken off here. Which, and every one of those is devaluing yeah, his trade evaluation. Yeah. I like the idea of saying, sir, here are the reasons that your vehicle is worth less than the advertised book value that you may see online. Right. You know, it needs new tires, uh, whatever. But so the last one here that he has highlighted is COVID-19 market adjustment. And it's taken off 2800 off of his fifteen dollars to $18,000 uh, trade value. Yeah. Now, you and I discussed this on a podcast a few weeks back where we had this letter, uh, an open letter from the VP at Cox, who's over... Uh, Vin Solutions, right? No, or no, no, no. Viato, uh, Viato, Viato, Viato. Yeah. That's what I meant. So, and this open letter was saying, hey, look, our tool is not very accurate right now because it's programmed to give you a value based on long-term trends, and we have a sudden, sharp drop in prices right now. Right. And it doesn't evaluate sudden drops. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we built the tool to give you a long-term picture. Right. Slow decreases, slow increases. Right, right. Uh, So sharp spikes and drops, it's intentionally supposed to level those out. Right. So that you're not having, you know, like you said, you don't get a different hour at 9 a.m., I mean, a different value at 9 a.m. than you do at 4 p.m. Right. 
Uh, but anyway, I'm, I was curious about your thoughts on this COVID market adjustment. Maybe our listeners, you know, have seen this or heard of this. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, Good idea? Bad idea? I think, like everything, the market will determine what the value is, right? <laughs> and I mean, what is a good idea or yeah, a bad idea? But sometimes I, it doesn't. I've seen dealers hang on to bad ideas. Oh, absolutely. Far yeah. far after the market told them it was a bad yes, idea. Yes, they still will not believe. But <laughs> I think in this case, I, I think it does two things. One, it shows transparency. I do like that. Hey, these are this is the the real factors we are considering in the evaluation of the value of your trade. Right. And normally here's the value. Right. Here's what the tool would say. Yeah. But we know because we've seen these cars at auction or you know, right. we deal in these cars all day, every day. Yeah. We know the real value is three yeah. grand less. Right. And the the other piece that I think is valuable is it certainly spurs the conversation with the customer to give them more information as to here are the things we are considering in the evaluation of your vehicle, right? I mean, we're we're not playing a game where we, you know, take it from, well, we're going to show you more for yours because we're going to, you know, put more on ours or these are real it, market conditions that right. we have to take into consideration. And it doesn't just start with that number assumed. You know, you come out and say, okay, so the value of your car is ten thousand dollars. Right. And go, whoa, whoa, I saw like fifteen to eighteen online. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let me. No, know, I like. Let it. me make up a reason. You know, that's how it comes across. Yeah. You know, because it's because COVID. Right. Yeah. <laughs> everything's just COVID. Yeah. So no, I, I like that they lay out the 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 how they come to that value. Yeah. And. and the good part about that is if a, a customer does blow up, oh, yeah, not, then I'll wait the three months. You know, I'll wait six months before I trade it. You know, I'm going to get the full value. Well, you can say, look, we're close on a deal, right? Right. If I could get you another 500 bucks on this thing, I mean, you know, hell, we might lose our ass when we go to sell it. Right. But at or, least you're, you're starting your negotiation from a more realistic or a better number for the dealer, right? Right. So Without I'll, it just being, well, you know, this is the number we, we're trying to fish out there to see if you'll bite. Right, right. right? I mean, you know, yeah. hey, it's only worth eight grand. You know, stick them to the ceiling kind of mentality. <laughs> right, right. So, no, I like it. I think the, I think more information, it, it, that transparency builds credibility, builds trust. But, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, I haven't read the comments, so I, this is just you and I coming up with our off-the-cuff responses. But I tend to agree. I kind of, I mean, I, I think it takes a strong salesperson and a strong sales manager to be able to deliver this without a customer blowing out. Right. But well, but I, I think it's, uh, you're starting from a better position in your negotiations. Yeah. You can always give it up. And this was something that was sent to him digitally. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So He was it, online and... So yeah. it's not even it not even a prelude to a conversation. It's a here's our information, and yeah, he's still it, sitting at a know, range. My my opinion right here kind of changes. Now I might be old school. Maybe this is not the best response, but I think I would just send them that fifteen to eighteen. Yeah, you know the hey, what's the book value? Here's the book value. Yeah, because that's what they're gonna see online. Yeah, you know if they go. Ask NADA yeah, for their own trade appraisal. It's going to say fifteen to eighteen. It's not going to have all this other crap on it. Right. You send him a value for ten grand. He's going. I'm not going there. Park yeah. them off the list. 
Well, and what's what's the range? What's the difference between the low and the high of the range? Ten to what? Ten five to twelve one. And the other is fifteen to eighteen. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's so you're talking about two grand. Five pop. grand. Yeah. Right. Five but, grand I mean, off, in and the, the majority of it is this three grand for COVID. Yeah. Now. I said I would give them the top figure. Now, obviously, you can't work a deal from that figure. Right. But if they're just asking for a simple, hey, what's my trades worth? And we don't know at what point that they are. I mean, they may be actually trying to work a deal. I guess with a range there, you know, it still leaves some... uh, I believe a lot of these dealers just use a third-party tool, like AutoFi or uh, what's the other one... Um, I forget the name of it, but yeah. there's a couple out there that just, they, yeah, it's well, a widget has on website. One and What's it? KBB. <clears throat> no, no, no. Has I mean, a like, tool, but has the, a evaluation tool. Yes, yes. But there are tools that work the deal for you. Right. You know, and it's just a plug in for your website. Yeah. They pull all the prices. They pull all the add-ons. They pull all the trade values. They pull the rates and the rebates. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of its own little bubble there that does it all for you. Yeah. Well, I'm... It kind of goes back to that that struggle between do we do we move to full transparency to where we're providing all the information before they ever come into the dealership when you know they're just shopping online uh, or you know I mean it's that like those managers who would say oh well now you giving him everything now he's going to go shop you. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, if we're going to work a deal online, which I think is a very valuable tool. Right. I think you ought to give all the information if somebody clicks on that work a deal now button. Right. But if they click on that get my trade value button. Yeah. I'm just going to give them straight whatever KBB range is or NADA range. Right. Yeah. Or Viato or, you know, wherever they get the number. Yeah. But then you're you're setting yourself up for a more difficult conversation down the line because eventually I, you gotta I agree. have this more in depth conversation as to yeah. hey we certainly take into consideration those evaluation tools just like what you're looking at we look at the same kind of information but there are other factors that we have to take into consideration yeah I think you could sit down and say okay the the book value on your car is fifteen to eighteen grand right and you know we're gonna work from there we're gonna yeah. Yeah. We're starting at the number I gave you. Yeah. You know. And here are the other considerations we have. I mean, shoot, when you uh, when you advertise a price on your website, do you take off all the rebates and say, here's the price, <laughs> right? Uh, okay, do. here's uh, the advertised price. Now, what's the thing? You're a farmer that just graduated? Oh, from- yeah, I know. You're a uh, retired military school teaching realtor who owns Case Farm Equipment. <laughs> yeah, just, I right? need these documents yeah, to prove you, that. Yeah, you have all those things, absolutely. Every one of these rebates applies to you if you are that. Oh, you know, well, let me take that off. Yeah, well, let me right. do that. <laughs> oh, you're not retired military and you don't teach school. And uh, you're not even a realtor. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> okay, congratulations. Your new price is the sticker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it's a topic to be uh, debated further. Uh, yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, the ultimate decider is the market. Yeah, yeah. So it, it may, uh, may show the opportunity within the marketplace. All right, so All right. what are we going to talk about yeah. today? <laughs> I don't know. I think that was the podcast right there. <laughs> so today, we're going to talk about processes and process mapping. 
Yeah, which is a, a topic that you are very fond of. I, I mean, and I give you crap about it. You do, and uh, you're wrong, <laughs> which is fine. You know, I mean, uh, you can't be right about everything, John. So you know, yeah. no. I thought I was wrong once, but, but I was mistaken. You were mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So, and the reason I feel so strongly about this is I, I look at, I look at things from when we run into problems, common problems, especially repeated problems. I always break it down to, is it processors and people, right? Do we have a process in place? And I think not only for the sake of doing things in an organized way that is a repeatable activity that's measurable and also that is driven for success because the processes we put into place are based on experience and, and success and knowledge and those things that we've seen that work. Right, those effective tools or uh, you know uh, activities mm-hmm. throughout the selling scenario. Okay, I know. I, get it out there. My, my, my hey, thoughts there. are my thoughts are formulating as I'm speaking. Hey, I saw a, uh, a YouTube documentary. You know, I just you flow through YouTube and it just pops things up. You know that that are similar to what you've watched in the past. Well, one thing that came up was a behind-the-scenes look at Jerry Stiller on Seinfeld. And I thought, "Eh, I'll probably watch 30 seconds of this. But it wrapped me in, man. It was like 30 minutes long, and I watched the whole thing. Yeah. He is a really interesting guy, number one. And, they, you know, on season one, they had a different guy playing George's father. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Is some Broadway actor, well-known, but... He didn't work out for the second season, whatever. When they got re-signed for a second season, he couldn't be there, or they chose not to go with him. And so they got Jerry Stiller, but they were going to go into syndication across the country, and so they could they didn't want to have a season two with a different guy for George's dad than season one, because they would be kind of mixed up and played, you know, all throughout the same time. Right. Well, they got permission to recut those scenes for season one. With Jerry Stiller. So I thought that was cool. But they would say that he he was an old man at the time. I mean, you know, getting older. And he would forget his lines. <laughs> so they said, they showed several examples where he'll be like sitting in a diner with George. And and they interviewed George's, what's yeah, his name? Uh, Jason yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. So they interviewed him and he's like, I couldn't hardly get through a scene because he would look up at the sky and like hold his hands up and it became his signature move. But the reason he did it was because he was trying to think of the next line. (laughs) So he said he would come out like, George, how can you uh, get through the day if you don't drink your lemonade? (laughs) (laughs) So is that what you're suggesting? Is it my my hesitations or me trying to remember my next yeah. line? So now we have to leave that in there. To, right. To, or yeah, cut so, it all out. Sometimes you get where you're like, I mean, it's, hey, we all have our quirks. But, you know, you'll get like, right. and the Pepsi is my mind. Like Coke. He, if you only knew all the things, all the thoughts, all the potential. A thousand words. All the potential things that I sort through to determine what's like actually going like like to come out of my mouth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, ooh, no. 
I want to say this, but yeah, it's not going to come out right. Uh, this is totally offensive. Uh, okay, here's one. Cool. Yeah, so. All right, so what are we talking about today? Right? Word. Yeah. <laughs> so this is right. not processed right here. But again, I think everything comes down to the, is it a process problem or is it a people problem? Yes. And I think the reason developing and having processes is effective is one, it gets everybody on the same page as to what the expectation is. I'll, and you know what to expect out of the other roles. Right. Yeah. And from a training standpoint, I, I think the industry as a whole, from I know the time that I started in the industry, we were not process driven at all <laughs> in the fact that when we're training new people, you just kind of figured out what to do by, you know, if you did it this way and you didn't get, you know, yelled at or your hand slapped, then you did it okay that way, way again. Yeah. And Here's your desk. There's a lot. Go sell a car. Right. What are you, an idiot? How long have you been selling cars? Oh, you're new. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. It's, don't do that. <laughs> hey, Terry, come sit with him for right. a couple of days. Yeah. Go take it to one of the more seasoned guys. They'll tell you how to do it. So I think the importance of having processes in place is from that, again, sharing of information, understanding responsibilities, who's supposed to do what in each situation, and what's the correct way to do something. And the second value to a process is if it's a decided process, if it's something that we actually took the time to consider, how do we do this and is this the best way to do and it? it and instead of it just being the way we've always right. done it. It's all yeah. evolved and, you know, organically just kind of comes about being. Yeah. And it's not just that this is actually the best way. It's just that this is the way that has evolved over the time that right. we've been doing this. Yeah. So uh, it gives us the opportunity to really examine what is the most efficient way to do this? What do we find the most success in, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, it's that metrics and measurement that we can go back and say, just have, have we done it this way just because we always have? Mm -hmm. Or is this really an effective way of doing it? Is it Honda or Toyota that came up with the... Lead, you know, Toyota. Toyota. Okay. Yeah, came up with the whole lead program and like, processes. What does that stand for? Do you remember? Know. No, you can Google it. Yeah, I'll Google it. Which actually moved out of Toyota and became a whole training. I think it was the precursor to the uh, Six Sigma. I've heard of that methodology. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it it was so well received amongst Toyota that many businesses employ it. But it is that process driven mentality of let's find the right way to do it, the most effective way to do it, and let's repeat that process and make sure that everybody's on board and how can you hold people accountable for something that you never fully explained it to begin with right right yeah and so it, so what's your what's your problem with it john <laughs> <laughs> well i think that naturally uh, there's a there's a case to be made that when the process evolves organically that's the best process. You know, it's evolution and survival of the fittest. And if that's the process that has organically evolved, then perhaps that's the best. But, you know, obviously there has are Has that exceptions. been your experience? <laughs> no, no, I don't guess so. <laughs> Have you seen because, that Because work? everyone does it the laziest way. Right. Give the hardest, the hardest job to the laziest guy and he'll find the easiest way to do it. Right. right? Which, yeah, I, I love it. Right. <laughs> 
But I think it's important for big picture things like, uh, you know, a road to the sale. Okay. You know, it's important to know as a dealership, are we going to do the trade when we come back from the test drive or are we going to do the trade right after the meet and greet and needs assessment? Yeah. Those big things like that. But, you know, I think you can drill down so um, microscopically that that you kind of plan yourself into inaction. Right. Irrelevance. I mean, yeah. Stagnation is the word I'm looking for. Okay. You can kind of plan yourself into stagnation. Right. You know, I forget there was an old Dale Carnegie thing about, I don't know, Roosevelt and the Buffalo Soldier or something, and they're talking about taking this hill in the Mexican-American War, I believe. And so they're talking about whether they should take this hill or not. And one guy says to the general, well, you know, let's think about it. You know, we can use this regimen. We can use this division. We can do this. And he was like, all right, you figure it out. I'm going to go take the damn hill. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Come on, guys. Yeah, And with things where I think we have to enable people to be decisive, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I know the most recent book I've been reading and listening to, I liked it so much that I actually bought the hard copy recommended to me by Larry White. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Extreme Ownership. Okay. Oh, man, what a fantastic book. And these are former commanders and Navy SEALs mm-hmm. who went on to do training and process development and uh, leadership development within the Navy SEALs and then started a consulting group to actually do uh, that same type of leadership initiative within companies and businesses saying that, you know, what we do in the military is a perfect translation over to what businesses run into, you know, the problems with making decisions and leading people yeah, and getting a team, and, yeah. right? But if we're all, I think it, it gives us commonality of language. It gives us a clear understanding as to what each person's responsibility is. And, and there's so many areas that I have found over and over again in dealerships all over the country where like the handoff between, let's say, if they have a BDC and the sales team. Well, there's no clear definition as to at what point does it transfer and to whom does it transfer, who's responsible for it. One of the quotes I love is Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. And or in, in Steve Jobs' book, they talk about, you know, there was at the time that, that they wrote the book, uh, I think there was like, I don't know, like 30,000 or 60,000, let's say, employees of Apple. Mm-hmm. Right, and they said less than one percent of the employees of Apple had ever met Steve Jobs, but every person at Apple knew exactly what Steve Jobs expected of them. Wow! And okay, I thought, cool. man, that's incredible. And the other thing that they really preached within that Apple environment and community was, if more than one person is responsible for something, nobody's responsible for it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I mean, that was one of the big... Because they always pass the buck. Or, well, or, just, or at least there's the opportunity there. Right. Because, well, I did my part. Well, I did my part. Right? I mean, yeah. you know, well, I thought he was fault, doing that. my fault. Yeah. So I think ultimately at every point in, in a process, you determine who has the ball, who's responsible. You know, it, in order to move this thing forward, there has to be one person who is responsible to take that next step and to do that next activity and to make sure that next box is checked. And if you don't have that, 
then again, you're just you're out in the wind, right? I mean, it's yeah, a matter I, I like that concept of, of who has the ball. Well, a couple of things about what you said is number one, I like the idea of the, the transition. Uh, I think that needs to be well defined. You know, how do we transfer the ball, so to speak, from one department or you know one person to the next? Right. What does that look like? Uh, and the other thing is the definition of roles right. is not only valuable so that you know what to expect from your coworkers, mm-hmm. but then you know what is expected of you. Right. And I think that gives people a lot of uh, peace of mind, yeah. a lot of direction. I think they're more at ease being successful at their job when they know, okay, I know what is expected of me and I know I've done these things well. Yeah. You know, or, or I know I'm lacking on this one point and right. I need to do better at that. Well, and one of those things in extreme ownership that they talk about is making sure everybody throughout, you know, we've got a, a stated mission, mm-hmm. right? We understand what the goal is. The goal is to sell a car or to service a car or to, you know, give a good customer interaction or interface. Um, but the one of the key things that they do is they, they make sure everybody in the process from the lowest grunt on the ground all the way to the highest general understand exactly what is going to take place, right? What's the goal? Yeah. Well, I think in the same vein, in the car industry, I think your sales guy, your brand new sales guy, needs to have just a basic understanding. He didn't have to be trained as an F&I person, but has to have a basic understanding of what goes of on. what's going to happen in the F&I office. Right. Right? And I think it's typically six months to a year before the average salesperson who's new see, to the industry. See, I, I once again could play devil's advocate and Please. say, that new guy that says... You know, uh, I don't know. You sign right here, and then I don't. You go in there, and you come out, and you own the car. I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they, you know, they, they say the, the salesman. The reason they get hooked is because they do so well in the first two weeks because they have no idea what the hell they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we're training effectively, yeah, I think over the long haul, he right. needs to have a little bit more At expertise. Least, yeah, an understanding as to why I'm yeah. telling somebody I can't discuss rate with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's not something. My, yeah, one of my and not because I don't know. Because yeah, I'm new. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what rate are you going to get? I don't know. Let me ask my manager. Hold on. You come back. Yeah. Well, you know what? They they can't tell you. Why can't they tell me? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, to have <laughs> sir, you've been here twenty years. Are you? You're still saying I don't know. I'm new. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> that's exactly what they're saying. So I, I just, to me, I, and I don't think you process yourself to death, like you said, process to stagnation. I right. certainly think that's a, a concern when you're looking at these things. But if there is a common hurdle that you're running into, I think that is the time where you take the time to determine, or yeah. do, do we even have a, a defined process for this? Or during a pandemic. Right. <laughs> and you're talking about the world of retail is, has changed, you know, and maybe not permanently. I know there's people that say, oh, the, the new normal, you know. Well, hey, things might get back to a little bit more a little like, normal. yeah, yeah, a little bit more normal than we expect. But during this thing, when nobody is going to a dealership, you certainly have to do business in a different way. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that 
market changes are a great reason to examine process to, to examine your process and, and hey you know be doing it every quarter you know every six months every year implementation of new processes right i mean i made the the uh comment on a previous podcast of those dealerships and i've seen those dealerships that implement uh service to sales process that's very effective mm-hmm. and i've seen those who go hey service to sales great idea we should do that and it falls flat on its face. Well, why? Because they didn't take any time to think through how is this going to occur, right? Who's going to do the trade evaluation of the of the vehicle that's there? Yeah, when? Before they uh, take the car back to service or, right. or when it comes back and it's and finished? What's the impact of the service department, right? Yeah. And we're giving this guy and he's got the decision whether or not he's going to get a... You know, four thousand dollars there, yeah. or trade his car, or trade his car, yeah. and the service advisor is going, "You just stole a four thousand dollars sale from me." <laughs> right. You know, right. damn it. You know, I'm not letting you guys know that I've got this customer in there, or, yeah. or we're taking a, a car that we know needs four thousand dollars worth of work. Yeah. So I just feel like if we spent the time to evaluate key processes, especially in those that we find that we have common problems, that it would be well served to put thought into it, to get stakeholders together, at least have conversations with them, with one person taking the lead and saying, is this process a broken process? Is it a perfect process that we're just not following? Right. Right. I think that's the other thing is we've got processes Half the people don't know what the process is, and the other half don't care. Well, I was going to say, ask, take a room full of sales managers. If you're a dealer in your next sales meeting, ask everyone to write down the road to the sale. And I bet however many sales managers you have, that's how many answers you'll get Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Yeah, no talking. Just write it down just write on it a piece down. of paper. Right. Don't share your answers. All right, give you 30 seconds to think about it and then just pass them up here. Yeah. Hey, I got seven people in the room and I got nine different reports because John turned in three because he didn't know. Right. Because he, he saw Jim's paper, so he went, oh, wait, no, 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 let me redo that. I forgot that step. Uh, so the right process, Ray, will produce the right results. I, so you're a believer. I just read this on the about the Toyota Way. All right. On Wikipedia. Yeah. I'm doing some show prep while we're in the third quarter of the show. All right. Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. Yeah, I John. never did find this little acronym about the Toyota. There's a Wikipedia entry for the Toyota Way. Right. But anyway, yeah. And you know, like Toyota or not, they do a good job. They have the highest customer loyalty as far as both sales and service. Well, I've heard a lot of people reference, I kind of thought it was Honda, but I guess I'm wrong. Uh, But I knew it was a Japanese manufacturer that, you know, revolutionized the manufacturing standards by eliminating all waste. There are principles in here like... uh, Principles in here like uh, the things you're trying to avoid are overproduction, waiting, unnecessary transport or conveyance, overprocessing or incorrect processing, excess inventory, <laughs> unnecessary motion. Right? <laughs> hey, if you can who stand, can't get behind wanting to reduce motion. unnecessary motion? I live I, my life trying to eliminate <laughs> unnecessary but I motion. It's like, uh, you know, if you have to turn around and walk a two steps to get this part well let's move that part closer right. so all you have to do is reach right 
you know, things like that. Well, and the, those same considerations, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't say it's uh, completely apples and apples. But right, right. There are a lot of considerations that they would do in the manufacturing side that we can and should, I would argue, do on the, on the sales side. Or at least have that mindset of, I would say my goals would be, number one, have a great customer experience. Right. Be ethically responsible. Yeah. And to increase number of sales and gross profit. Right. And if we're all in the same mindset, if those are the goals, and we could say, okay, these are the stated goals, right? These are This is the target. This is what we're going for. This is our, according to that uh, extreme ownership, this is the mission. Yeah. Right? This is what we want to accomplish. Now, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. Right? From beginning to end. And we kind of say, all right, here's how we're doing it now. Or, you know, organization of thought. Yeah. And it becomes a culture thing within the dealership. It that, does. That, uh, hey, I've identified a problem. I'm going to bring this up in the next meeting so that nobody else ever has this problem. Yeah. Or, right. Yeah. And what, where's the breakdown of the process? Right. Or do, do we have processes that are irrelevant? Right? Are we including a document in the... You know, we could okay. combine four documents into one. <laughs> yeah. Three years ago, the uh, 1F&I guy wanted this paper in there, and he's been gone for two and a half years because he sucked, right. and that paper's irrelevant. And, yeah, and it was never needed to begin with. <laughs> right. But, yeah. It was we, always in the CRM. We, he just didn't pull it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, here's some music, Ray. Does that mean we ought to wrap up? Yes, I would say that is the wrap-up. What is it called? The outro. Outro. Okay. Our outro music. All right, well... uh, And it's time for us to say thank you for listening. Another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting in the books. And we are going to be talking about soon uh, mentoring versus managing. We are. Do we have other topics there we're going to add to the list? Um, Yes. Uh, Dealing with difficult customers. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Is there even such a thing as a difficult customer? Should we tease our thoughts on that? No. Okay, let's just... Yeah. Stay and, tuned. It's going to be exciting. And, oh, gosh. Yeah, this is going to be good. because <laughs> we're going to piss some people <laughs> yeah. off. And those are usually our best episodes. I think our best episodes are when you get pissed off. <laughs> well, I might get pissed off on that one. Maybe we should take some callers so I can, yeah. so I can and, tell them hey, why they suck. If you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, shoot us an email. Yeah. Info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. If there's something you want to talk about, if there's something you disagree with us, if you think, you know, John's a really funny guy, <laughs> shoot us an email. You've gotten a couple of emails like that. That really I gets have. into your skin, right? e- e- emails and comments. I've talked yeah. to people who listen and they go, oh, that John, he's so funny. <laughs> I don't try to be funny. I just try to give you a hard time. Uh, Maybe that's, that's what they that, find funny. That's what's funny. So please uh, send us your comments and uh, we'd love to hear from you. And thank you for listening. Thank you. We enjoy uh, being here each week or each couple of days lately. (laughs) Yeah. We hope you'll join us again. If you enjoy the podcast, you can go to SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com where you can listen to additional episodes, read articles, and learn more about John and Ray. We also cover topics such as automotive sales and service, best practices, training, and techniques that you can put in place today to sell more vehicles and write more ROs. 
or gain more dollars per RO. To register for a total dealership assessment, you can visit the website for more information or simply send an email to info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. What's that email address again? It's info, Ray, at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. It's info, Ray, at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com? No, Ray, it's just info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. So just info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. You've got it. Great.